Hello everyone and welcome to Dairy Pod, our final Dairy Pod episode of 2020. I'm Rory McDonald from the Dairy Australia farm team. Equity partnerships are relatively rare in Australian dairy, so this episode should be particularly interesting to anyone thinking of stepping in or out of the industry. Bruce and Andrea Valance milk 800 cows on their Naranda farm, not too far from Warnemool in southwest Victoria. Having moved from pig farming into dairy in 1992, they are looking towards the next stage of their life and began an equity partnership with Isaac Finn two years ago. It's the second time the Valances have successfully ventured into an equity partnership, so they have a wealth of knowledge to share. It's a full house for this episode, with Isaac joining Bruce and Andrea in the podcast, as well as farm consultant Angus Drummond, who has helped facilitate the partnership. Fiona Smith, who coordinates Dairy Base for Dairy Australia, will lead the discussion. So sit back and enjoy what should be a fascinating half hour of chat. You transitioning through a bit of succession planning. What have the considerations been during that time and how have you approached that phase? At no stage do we ever put any pressure on our children to come home. We, um, one of the main reasons we wanted to farm and build this business was to give our children the opportunity to do what they wanted to do. Um, they have uh, chosen careers in other areas off the farm. They are very interested in what is happening on the farm and in the future they may come back, but uh, they're diversified into different fields like veterinary science, uh, engineering and nursing. Um, so those, some of those skills can be used on the farm at some stage should they choose to come back. So you've done two equity partnerships now as part of your overall dairy farming journey what was the appeal of equity partnerships and how have you seen them work for your business the initial equity partnership was with a, a farm up in Cobram with a with a neighbor um, because land prices around here were too dear to buy another farm but we wanted to diversify and not overcapitalize this site so with the neighbor we um, bought a property up in Cobram and we advertised for an equity partner, so a young manager up there, someone who would potentially have skin in the game because we were no good if the cows were on the road in Cobram and we were down here, so you wanted someone to have that care factor. And it was another way of bringing other people along in the dairy industry. Um, so after one manager, we came across um, our second one and he was a young gentleman from England and uh, that's worked out really well. He uh, has indicated since the partnership has, has started that if he was a share farmer um, in Cobram with the current situation with water that he may have been in big trouble but there was we could supply some of the expertise and he could supply the energy for that for that business. You know he's a young guy just starting out just married and um, good skills on the farm and uh, but no money so uh, he recognized that he needed uh, in hindsight recognized that having the capital to make purchasing decisions when we needed to make them was important to manage the risk in that business so very volatile seasons up north a lot of competing uses for the water um, and variable climate for whether you actually got high yields off your own farm. So a lot of things were 
moving around. So having um, good risk management up there was important. I've got to say over the seven or odd years with, with, with the Cobram Farm, the, uh, for the first two, he probably listened. And then after that, he would say, look, I think it's time we did this. I think it's time we did that. And he would be sourcing the deals himself, which was fantastic. So, um, you know, he could see you need to plan ahead and, and have your numbers nice and clean and, and everything like that. So uh, we had our reports and everything like that. We'd visit him once a month and um, go through any issues. We paid him a wage as part of the equity partnership and, um, and then any money we made, we all decided at the start that we reinvested back in the farm because there's some obvious things that needed to be done. Um, and we're wound, sort of winding up that equity partnership now, but um, he's done very well out of it and recognises he's way better off than trying to do it if he had just stayed on wages. So the reasons for doing it on the family farm, I mean, obviously the Cobham one was a bit different because it was actually going into a different business to the one you currently have. What was the reasoning for looking at an equity partnership for the home farm? Andrea and I are getting older and uh, we need good labour and we need, and we don't, even with the Cobham farm, we don't mind giving away money to get young people into the industry. I think we got tremendous support from different people when we come on board. And I think people have got to be given the opportunity. It's a much more volatile economic environment now. We can provide capital and a reasonable production system to give people a start. And I think, um, and to, and just to manage that part of it. And also it worked for our family side of things where our kids could buy out our equity on our side of the partnership. And um, it would still leave um, Isaac doing his own thing on his side of things. So there was a transition on both sides there. There was an exit for us and also an entry point for Isaac. So the equity partnership on the home farm is that uh, the land and water is leased by the farming business and the equity partnership holds the, the herd and the mobile plant. So, and everyone that works in the, in the business is paid a wage. So the, the business has to perform, otherwise um, no one gets paid uh, or you're not getting any returns out of it. So it's a good, good model in that everything, every input is recognized to have a value. So you have to um, make sure that it's working for the business. How did you go through the process of setting up the equity partnership? And I suppose, who did you get that advice from? Because it's probably equity partnerships haven't been big in the dairy industry, I wouldn't say, today. Or if they have been, they've been from external money coming into the industry rather than from farmers wanting to either give a leg up to a young person or to use it as part of their succession planning. So how did you work through that process? And I suppose what advice would you give to others that are looking to look at that as an option rather than say the typical share farm agreement that lots of people would use? Uh, we had some uh, farming peers who'd already done something 
like this um, and their son was coming forward so theirs was a bit more straightforward. Um, we'd also spoken to Angus and John Mulvaney and other consultants. We'd been looking at different models for about four or five years. Um, the main, we spent a lot of time when we were discussing the Cobram farm, which was really good because there was no emotional attachment to that, to that land. That, um, and we worked really hard um, setting that up and we placed a lot of time on an ex exit strategy because apparently a lot of people set these up but they don't think through how it can be wound back. So that was really important. So this one was a lot, um, we had a bit of a experience in uh, developing something like this previously. So the for the Cobham Farm, we employed uh, Nigel Pannett, uh, went through the budgets at that stage with the, the employees or at that stage or the future equity partner in Cobram and um, worked through those budgets and it took a while to get there because they were very cautious and hadn't really had a lot of business experience. Um, so it was really Nigel being an independent person saying, yes, to me, this looks like it'll work to get them across the line to sign the, the life away, so to speak. And then uh, with this farm here, we, we had a number of years of data so we could pull the farm business apart and put it back into the equity model and work out what money was coming out of it. So we had a track record. We could show that to Isaac and say, here's what three or four years look like. We should be able to do this. We haven't done any worse than this in the last whatever. And um, so a lot more comfort in this one because more of a track record. The Cobham one was more of a, yep, let's hope we can do that. But I think this one um, at home, because we had a track record, it's quite easy to to get that confidence that you're going to be able to invest and, and, and make money. Yeah. So what we what have you been using it to assess the business? So we use uh, Dairy Base to assess the business. So ever since Dairy Base's inception, we've used Dairy Base. You know, it's easy, gets the figures we need out of it. I think it gives Isaac a, uh, a chance to look at what makes the business work as well. So it's a development thing. It's not only, you know, it's there to teach and learn. And just on the back of that too, monthly we meet with Angus, our consultant, and he's like a tool in the middle of the system in case there's any discrepancies or argument between Isaac and ourselves, but also this is a chance, to, as Bruce mentioned, to teach, to teach Isaac moving forward. Um, so it's been a really good, really good lever for that. Because there's always the things that don't quite work. On the farm. <laughs> On the farm. Yep, that does tend to happen, doesn't it? So, Isaac, when you came on to the farm, did you come on knowing that the equity partnership was an option for you? And is there a reason that an equity partnership would be more attractive to you in comparison to what would be a typical share farm agreement for most young farmers? Yeah, so when I started, that was always the goal that was the reason i took the job because there was an equity partnership available and i had been looking around for a while for share farming positions to move forward out of just a plain management role but none of them really stacked up to be worth it and in this one where there was actually equity involved it was a no-brainer really 
Did you spend much time looking at the historical figures? Is that how you I made the assessment? I didn't or? need to have much of a look. I could tell pretty quickly that it was a profitable farm from looking at the figures, and it was it was an easy investment, really. Yep. And if you looked at young people coming into, into the industry now, do you think that that's a good option that lots of them should look at, or do you still think that the share farm... I think they'd have to weigh up every option is out of every opportunity, because there's obviously a lot of different factors. But given this case, absolutely, like it would be silly not to. Do you think it drives you harder in this business, having it as an equity partnership? Do you think you would treat it the same if it was a share farm operation? I think share farming, you still have to treat it the same because you make your money off production. So it is, it's all pretty similar, really, I think. Maybe even as a manager, I still worked really hard. So, and that was with no extra income or bonus or anything. So like definitely keep an eye on everything close, but. I don't know if it makes much of a difference. Yeah. It's still got to perform. Which may be more a basis of your personality because I think Possibly. that Bruce and Andrew and Angus w would probably say that history would say that's not always the case, is it? Because Angus, I'm sure you've seen plenty of operations where there's been share farmers or managers that certainly don't treat the farm mm. their own way. And as Andrew said, skin in the game. Do you think yeah. that makes a, a big difference? Uh, I think it, I think it does um, to some, but I think character also comes into it. So, in this case, you didn't, Isaac, you didn't come straight, and you you managed first. There was a mm. probationary period, where Bruce and Andrea assessed character, and then we're confident to say yes, you've got the character that we're willing to get into bed with you. you know, so it's, um, I, I think you definitely need to assess whether you can work together before you just go into a partnership like this. It's not something that can be done from day one or shouldn't be. Mm. Yeah. This was a two-way assessment too, like yeah. Isaac was checking us out too. Yeah. But it was a good it was a good fit because this this business has a really strong focus on grass production and Isaac is very good at growing grass as well. So it that was a nice a nice match between between farming systems mm. and and mm. ideas. Do you think, had the personalities not married up, that would have been a game changer for you? It uh, would have been in this farm because we still put uh, time in on the farm. Uh, would have been, if you had a really good person at Cobram. But I think um, trust is always a big part of any relationship and so that had to be there. We had total trust in... Uh, in all, all of our total equity partners. So I think that's been there. And I think the other thing is uh, we've sort of said it's a five-year plan, so to speak. So I think chopping and changing share farms and all those sorts of things sort of ruin farm businesses in a way, changing the herd around, blah, blah, blah. But the I think the equity partnership model works well for making growth in a sustainable way and it works for everyone involved in the in the businesses so i know sometimes that you know some of the banks have been very cautious about equity partnerships it has often been stemmed with equity coming in from external parties and them not knowing how to assess that so i'm just interested to know 
how you found the bank with that, both both from your perspective and probably then Isaac coming to you as well. But Bruce, do you? Well, when we started out, we had the Commonwealth Development Bank, which would take a risk on young farmers. So there was an opportunity to pay above the bank rate, so to speak, a couple of percent, but they would take extra risk on you and be happy to lend you that money, which was state government backed. But now that, that option's gone. So the banks have been largely irrelevant in our thing because we've put guarantees in for our equity partners loans. So the banks still have their full full guarantees in place. Um, and so we're really giving the first step up. But having said that, and this particular that bank is involved in the discussion group as well. So they have, they see our figures as part of the discussion group because they're one of the sponsors of the discussion group and they see the sort of field we work in and uh, the way our business is structured. So they have confidence in our ability to pay. Well, it's not only our ability because like for a young person coming in, if they've got a five years of successful equity partnership and got some money behind them and they've got the track record and they're paying things off, it's got to be good for the bank. So banks want comfort. So surely that's one way of providing that. Angus, you've worked with a business for a while and you work with lots of other businesses. What do you see about this business that sets them apart from others or means that they've put themselves in a position to do what they're currently doing? Um, I think the main, well, there are a few things. It's the planning is really good. Um, so I think Bruce is always ahead of the game with grain, sourcing grain at the right price, sourcing hay at the right price. Uh, tapping into other knowledge sources like rainfall. Um, so you're paying for a meteorologist and and always have a long-term view of what that what the outlook is going to be. And I've seen really good decisions being made over the years on purchasing grain on the back of a forecast that predicted a drop in rainfall. And I think you were hundred or two hundred dollars a ton better off than everyone else you know when it all washed up so and it's those sort of it's always that forward planning it's never reactionary it's always um well in advance if you were to do all of your farming all over again would you handle the business the same way that you've handled it and would you transition in the same way to equity partnership and would you do it at the same stage of life yes easy answer because I think we both still enjoy what we're doing we are trying to back off a bit and uh, and ease back from the operations but we both find it uh, stimulating and rewarding and as Bruce mentioned before it's great seeing other people come along um, in the business and like I don't care if Isaac tells me he's going to sack me that'll be fine Um, I can handle that and we can move on so uh, that all works. I think um, having honest, open discussions about all that sort of stuff uh, is good. And I think it's been the right time for us to do this, definitely. Maybe a year or two earlier, but definitely the right time. It takes a long time to set up and to 
come to all that decision, really. Budgeting, do you still do a lot of budgeting in the business and how strict are you with it? And is that a, who is that process done with? So, uh, well, Angus is our independent umpire in the in our equity partnership. So we just have um, irregular farm meetings that uh, go through those issues. So an annual budget's produced, profit figure drops out of that. Um, and we try to make our, our budget. Well, we do more than we try. We, you know, the, the budget's there to be stuck to. So that's what we do. And we, I think it's good to have the rigor around capital purchases of what we may or may not do. Because, um, you know, the government might bring in uh, instant asset write-off or something like that. And uh, you, you go spend a heap of money on tractors. But in this situation, that's, that's not what we're about. We're focused on the business. And, um, and uh, so if the tractor's not there, the tractor's not there. Yep. But it's good to having the, um, the feed budget to work, to work through monthly because it gives Isaac a target. It's like going off on a journey, you know what you need, you've got your map and you know what you need to get yourself through the season. Looking at the vagaries of weather and the way the climates change, it helps us um, plan and that compiled with the, combined with the budget seems to work really well. There have been a few um, capital items that have come up um, where it was, is this fair to share or is this um, Bruce and Andrea's cost or a shared cost? And we've worked through the logic of it, you know, who, who benefits most and then um, all agreed and then taken the step forward. From the capital investment perspective on the farm, because it's, you know, obviously we've been here 20 years now, but the, it means that if we're investing for capital, like if we're putting a new silo in or something like that, we really, really need that investment to pay back in one year. Otherwise, it's not really worth us investing in it. So it puts a very strict um, parameters around what you're actually spending extra money on because there's really no point doing it otherwise. I think it's raised the level of investment on the farm. So the expectation for a return on that investment has to be very high before it's really worth us doing anything about it. Andrew, you were recently quoted, I think, in an article, although this may well have been paraphrased, uh, to say that you that it's about being hungry for profit and patient for growth. Can you just elaborate a little bit more on that concept and how you've used that approach? That's um, an old man Johnism. So that's a John Mulvaney quote. And that's about... Um, you, you, we wanted to achieve, we wanted to do well, but we had to have good infrastructure and a good base. So that meant you put money into developing good pastures and you put money into building up the base to make that money from. You don't just go and overstock your farm. You don't just go and buy the flashes tractor because that'll make your life more um, easier. You've just got to build the base and and develop the business from there, I think. Bruce, you're looking like you'd like to say something. It also says to me that just be happy for your uh, doing what you're doing and... Um you know, the right things will happen for you. Growth will happen if you're doing the right things on your farm. So just stick to doing the right thing and uh, it'll all work out. Do the three of you all think 
that daring is still a good option for young people? I think it's a very good option. You know, the opportunities to run your own business and your own have, manage your own time and, and everything like that. You take on whatever you decide. And um, certainly the opportunities are still in dairy. We look at our business after 20 years and think of all the things we can still improve on it. So I think um, there's great opportunities. And even through the tougher years, there was still opportunity. There's still a lot of opportunities. Find a good mentor or good people to learn from and um, and just talk to people. And, and if someone wants to have a go, there's a lot of avenues for them to be supported. There's a lot of education you could do either formally or informally. And I think it's a really good way to build a, um, a lifestyle and a career and a, and a business. Yeah, I definitely think it's a good industry to be in. It can be quite hard to find the opportunities, but if you look for them, eventually they'll pop up. You just gotta keep working on your skills. So when they do turn up, you're ready to go and take it. And Angus, from your perspective, you're obviously dealing with a lot of farmers. Do you see the same thing for young farmers coming in, that they've still got opportunity to to do well in dairy farming? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think I hear the um, people moaning about no young people in the industry. But when I look around at a lot of the young guys that I see, um, there's some really good quality young people who are doing very well in the industry and and I think they've got a great future so I do think the opportunities. Very good thank you for your time today it's been really good to learn a bit more about the business and find out why you've gone down the path of, of equity partnership and how it's worked for all of you so thank you. Thanks to Bruce, Andrea, Isaac, Angus and Fiona for that insight into how an equity partnership looks from the inside. You can find more information about shared equity arrangements at thepeopleindairy.org.au. You would have heard DairyBase mentioned quite a bit during the podcast, with all parties finding it an invaluable tool for measuring and comparing farm performance. If you want to find out more about DairyBase, go to dairyaustralia.com.au or have a chat to your local Dairy Australia regional team. Well, that's it for this episode. As always, you can find other DairyPod episodes on SoundCloud or subscribe at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts and Spotify. I'd also like to take this opportunity to thank all our listeners and guests over the last year for taking part in DairyPod. And we wish you and your families all a very happy Christmas and New Year. We'll be back with plenty more farmer-focused material in 2021. And we also welcome new feedback or new ideas for topics to discuss. So thanks again for listening. And finally, on a personal Irish focus note, I want to say good luck to County Mayo against Dublin in this weekend's All-Ireland Gaelic football final. I'll be drinking more pints than we've had Dairy Pod episodes if we manage to pull this one off. On that more light-hearted note, bye for now, everyone, and stay tuned for more in 2021.